are Locked On Dynasty Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. You can follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23. Joining me as always is Matt Williamson. Find Matt on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. Matt, we're now just a little over a week until the NFL draft. I can't wait. How are you doing? This might be my hardest time of the year in the football season because all the you know evaluators and scouts and GMs are bunkered down. We don't have much news to discuss generally. Sometimes the NFL will surprise us with a trade or whatnot, but I'm just so excited to ride the ride and you're waiting in line for the roller coaster and you can't get there soon enough. Yeah, I've been I've been both counting down the days and then I, I look at my to-do list of players I want to watch or draft guides I want to read or articles or podcasts I want to listen to and that list is is super long. So, I don't think I'll get it all done, but I'm I'm ready for the draft uh, nonetheless. Matt, we've got a great guest with us today. Actually going to be with us the next 2 days. One of our old buddies, Scott Connor. Uh, you can follow Scott on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB. Uh, Scott is the host of the Dynasty and Chill podcast. Uh, also check out his Patreon. Got a lot of cool stuff going on over there. And he's also one of my uh, co-workers over at Dynasty League Football. Scott, how are you doing? Matt, Ryan, appreciate you guys having me back on. First time on uh, Locked on Dynasty. And uh, yeah, I'm with Matt. Uh, everything's just smokescreen season right now. It's like yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. you're going over the same things from a month ago, and now you're trying to figure out, you know, what if pro days change? What if some media members drummed up uh, new narratives? So, yeah, ready for the draft. Uh, it's actually fun to talk rookies now because a lot's going to change, but I think there's an inside track to be had if you can maybe tell yourself some narratives and take some educated guesses at this point of the year. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and it, it seems like more than ever we're we're seeing – uh, rookie drafts take place before the NFL draft. I know that's becoming popular. Uh, Scott, I'm pretty sure I've seen you participate in, in uh, one or two of those at least. Is that right? Yeah, I've had two rookie drafts uh, already. Wow. And I had said to a couple people, I actually enjoy doing them now because you have to go strictly on your evaluation, on profiles. And again, you're trying to forecast, you know, hey, if this guy gets drafted here, like maybe I'll take a shot on him here. So I think it's more fun and a little more challenging. But yeah, I've had a couple so far. Yeah, I guess it's one less crutch to compare. You know, like Clyde edwards is a first-round pick. I got to have him. You know, the the NFL does some of the thinking for you if you do if you don't if you do it after the draft. Well, guys, over the next two days, we are going to take a look at these rookies. And Matt, you and I have talked about these guys a lot. Everybody has, uh, but we haven't looked at the overall positions as a whole. We're going to do that over the next two episodes. We'll talk quarterbacks and tight ends today. We'll hit the running backs tomorrow, and we'll have Scott with us. For both of those episodes, let's get to these quarterbacks right away. We're we're going to try to come up with a ranking of these of these players. Uh, we may or may not agree. Matt, you're going to share some information, what you see from your scout's eye, and and Scott, you're you're one of the best uh, dynasty strategists I've seen and I've played against. So I knew I wanted to have you on to talk about just how to approach these dynasty rookie drafts. Uh, let's start at the QB one. I'm assuming we're all in agreement that it's Trevor Lawrence, Matt. Yeah, I am. I mean, I think he's an instant starter. They're building around him. He has the best chance for long-term success at the position to be a 10-year starter or whatever. And he's no slouch running the ball. Yeah, I agree with Matt. I think with uh, with what you're getting with Lawrence is 
mean, yeah, there's some upside. I mean, I think I look at his upside very similar to maybe 10% higher than like Joe Burrows, but I think also what you're locking in is a really good bet to have a long, long-term starter, which is actually becoming more and more valuable in today's, you know, cycle through half the NFL QBs every year or two. Yeah, I said on another podcast with with Lawrence, the the slam dunk QB1, the slam dunk 101 in super flex drafts, it's kind of more interesting to compare him to the players already in the league and maybe where does he rank in in startup drafts versus in rookie drafts. But that's that's for another time. Mm -hmm. After Lawrence, there doesn't seem to be a consensus quarterback too. I know a lot of people certainly like Justin Fields. I would be among those. I know Trey Lance has his supporters as well. And and then if you ask the NFL, or at least the New York Jets, it, it appears that Zach Wilson is the quarterback too from this group. Matt, if you're if we're talking dynasty rookie drafts, who would be your second-ranked quarterback? Uh, it would be Fields, but really, fingers crossed that you know, the Niners wake up and should take and take him at three. That would be a home run. But no matter what, he's going to land somewhere in the top ten or Denver or you know, in, you know, somebody trades up for him. I think he's the second best prospect overall. You know, fantasy aside, plus he's got great wheels, of course. I think he's more accurate than uh, Trey Lance. I'm just a big fan of him. I mean, if I was a two, I would take him if I were the Jets. Yeah, I would as well. Um, Scott, any any overall thoughts on Justin Fields? No, I think he's probably closer to Lawrence than he is to the rest of the pack. I mean, if you compare, you know, you compare some players in his same range, ADP wise, Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill. I'd rather have Fields, the upside of Fields, over all those guys. I think when you start getting into Burrow and or Burrow and uh, Russell Wilson. It's a legitimate argument. Really, the only thing you're betting against is you haven't seen anything before. But I, I think that's basically where I'd be targeting him over some of those other guys. I totally agree. Closer to Lawrence than than Lance or Wilson or anyone else for me as well. Uh, so Fields is my quarterback too. Um, Scott, before we go any further with the with the quarterback talk in general, or, or specific players, I should say, when you think about this quarterback position, because we do have the five players expected to be a first-round first picks, maybe even one more guy, Davis Mills or, or Kyle Trask or someone like that sneaks into the late first round. Uh, but we've, we've got a, a nice volume of players in this class. How do you approach that position, specifically in a super flex rookie draft this year? Are you looking at the volume? Are you targeting specific players and trying to move up and down? Uh, just how are you attacking that position in super flex drafts this year? Yeah, I think it's one of the things now where we're going to see five quarterbacks go in the top 20. That's a locked on guarantee. I see what you did there. Nicely done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice fun on the summer show. But I think it's possible you may see five go in the top 10, depending on who right. goes three, who goes four. I can maybe see Mac Jones falling a little bit if he's the one that doesn't go in the top four. But it doesn't even really matter to me. I, I'm looking at just a top first round in a super flex draft. There's going to be five quarterbacks there. Both drafts uh, that I've been in thus far have looked that way. And I think it drives home more the scarcity of position. I mean, you go through a super flex league and you see a bunch of people with teams, Drew Locke, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, uh, many other names that might've been looking okay at the end of the year, Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, there's a ton of teams and then you lost Rivers and Breeze, and you may lose Roethlisberger and Brady. So, I mean, the scarcity, I'm having a hard time with some of the other positions even passing up a starting quarterback. I mean, Mac Jones may not have a ton of upside, but 
Do I want to bail out the team? Do I want to bail out the team that's at the 111 or 110 that doesn't have a quarterback and let them get Mac Jones? You know, given some of the other positions, I just think it's a lock. You're going to see five in the first round of dynasty drafts. It's just a matter of the landing spots and how people prefer them. You make some great points there. I'm going to throw one thing out that I haven't mentioned on this podcast. I was listening to Robert Mays' podcast, and they were talking about quarterbacks drafted in the NFL draft between 15 and 75, pretty much over the last 10, 12 years, big sample size, are junk. And it makes perfect sense because, you know, Lamar Jackson's in one of the outliers. Carr with the Raiders is a hit. But if you go back and look at all the guys drafted between 15 and 75, it's a very, very low hit rate. And I think this draft might have three of them. Mons, Trask, you know, Mills. So I would be careful, but I think your point is very valid. Yeah, I think one of the things to look at is, again, you're not necessarily drafting these guys to roll out and play them for fantasy points. Um, If you get drafted in the top of the top half of the second round or higher, typically there's going to be a window of opportunity. We saw it with Locke. We saw it with Garoppolo. We saw it with many others. Jalen Hurts right now. I mean, if these guys get drafted there, there is going to be some scarcity that drives their value up. Now it's just a matter of being able to evaluate, you know, evaluate Drew Locke after five games of his rookie year. You could have sold him for a late first, early second. It's just getting out at that time. But I think they're still good investments given where the current landscape is at quarterback. Makes sense. Good stuff. So far, we have hit just two quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, no surprises, our quarterback one. Uh, Sounds like we're all on board with Justin Fields at quarterback two. We'll get into the rest of the top five quarterbacks after this break. Folks, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football games might be over, but we got the NFL draft right around the corner, of course. We got prop bets of all sorts. You got, you know, over under win totals. Uh, we got NHL. We got NBA. Both the playoffs are starting soon for them, as well as MLB. Bet Online even covers, you know, awards, TV shows, reality TV. Uh, they have real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Uh, bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's definitely the best place to bet you know to place your bets and it's free to sign up so head to the website and you or use your mobile device which is really easy to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus when you use our promo code locked on all caps all one word uh that's 50 welcome bonus with the promo code locked on bet online your online sportsbook experts The Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL Draft coverage. Guys, let's get right back to the quarterback talk. We only got two players deep so far, so let's figure out who is quarterback three for us. Uh, and Scott, we'll go to you. And uh, who would you have listed or ranked as your quarterback three in this class right now? Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of what are you shooting for? If I'm one of those teams that needs somebody that can play right now, and I, I think typically dynasty owners overvalue the player that they think is going to play sooner. Uh, we've seen some of these guys come in and, you know, the team says, well, we, we don't know if they're going to play right away. And then lo and behold, you know, six weeks into the season, they're starting. You know, we saw it with Herbert. We saw it with Mayfield. 
and you saw what they did in their rookie years and how their value shot up. So I think that might be Trey Lance this year. Uh, I would probably put Trey Lance over Zach Wilson if I had to make a pick. Uh, but I think they're pretty much in the same tier. Um, you can argue Lance is the youngest, uh, probably has the most to grow. But I've also heard, you know, for everything I've read about the kid, I- I'm willing to bet on his character. I'm willing to bet on his work mm-hmm. ethic, even though he might have a little bit of a learning curve from a competition standpoint. Uh, I actually think he's definitely got upside up there with Justin Fields. So I'd probably go Lance three, Wilson four, Mac Jones five, if I had to rank the last three. I find that a little odd that just because he's from a small school and didn't play this year, the narrative is he needs to sit. Well, doesn't he need to play? You know, I mean, like he's been sitting all year and by all accounts, he's super advanced mentally. You know, he sets all the protections. He does a lot more than some of these quarterbacks do. I don't know that him sitting is the right move or he needs it any more than any of these other guys, but that's what everyone says. Yeah, I don't know if it's that he needs to sit. I think there's a concern that, you know, and we've heard the word project thrown around about him pretty often. And and that's, I'm a little confused about that. I don't know if, I don't know if he's a project because he's a small school quarterback. I don't know if he's a project because he um, sat out, opted out because of COVID this past year. I'm just not sure why he gets that label. Uh, compared to some of the other quarterbacks even in this class because we're looking at, at three players, these last three, Lance, Wilson, and and Jones, who really only gave us one year of, of high-level production for different reasons. And um, Wilson was a, a three-year starter, but his numbers this year compared to the, the past two were, were very different. So uh, there's, there's different questions with all of these guys, but I, I'm not sure why it's Lance that has been labeled as the project. Yeah. I think part of it is, you know, he he's – if you cross-reference everybody, he's going to go inside potentially the top ten. And he played less than 20 games in college. And he went to a small school. You can find guys that check two of those boxes – Maybe not the third, but we really haven't seen a guy from his competition level with this few of starts that's being talked about inside the top 10. So I just think he's he's kind of a unicorn, but you know the physical traits and what matters now, uh, I think it's still worth taking a gamble on. I think that's why you get the question, you know, Ryan. Yeah, that's fair. Matt, let's get into Zach Wilson a little bit more. It does seem like he settled in as the quarterback four in, in most Dynasty rookie rankings, despite being the, the presumed choice at, at 10, uh, 1.02 for the Jets. Uh, what do you think, what, what's the disconnect there, Matt, between uh, what the Jets are seeing and what dynasty managers are, are maybe seeing or, or worried about? I'm really torn for, you know, r- rookie rankings, Lance versus Wilson, and it's very subject to change, of course, depending where Lance falls. I think a lot of it's the running. It's not that Wilson's a bad runner, but he's – Certainly more, he's thinner. I mean, he's more fragile built, more of a fragile build than Lance, who's a grinder, short yardage runner. We just know all the points that can come from that. Um, I have Wilson slightly above Lance right now, but I also worry that I'm falling in the trap of he just might see the field sooner, you know, because I'm not sure his upside's as high. But I also trust the Jets, which I hesitate to do, to build something around him. I think Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. Yeah, I hear that a lot as well. That's just another one of these narratives that we've kind of talked ourselves into is that the Jets can't develop this quarterback or maybe any quarterback. But, I mean, this is not 
this is not the same leadership that we've seen the past two to three years in, in New York. And that's not to say it's it's going to work or they're going to be successful. I just don't know if we should hold Adam Gaze against this right, new coaching right, staff necessarily. Right. Scott, let's, let's go back over to you. I've, I've said a few times really over the past several months that I'm looking at this quarterback class and thinking it can do for dynasty players, for the quarterback position, really for, for dynasty leagues in general, what the, what we saw the rookie running back class of last year do for that position. Do you, do you think that's fair or am I aiming too high with this, this group of quarterbacks? No, I don't think you're aiming too high. Cause if you just take the numbers about where these guys are going to get drafted uh, and just add to the fact that all of them, probably except for Mac Jones, I've done some research on what it takes to be a top 12 quarterback and the magic number over the last five years has been like 15% or so of your points have to be contributed on the ground. And I think everybody mm. but Mac Jones can hit that mark. And 15% mm. isn't a lot. I mean, you know, you've seen guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick has hit it twice in his career. So, I mean, there's guys that you wouldn't see as like overly athletic that can do it just based on the way that they play. Uh, but I also think, again, what you mentioned is it's not only that you have four guys that are going to go in the top 10, maybe five that go inside the top 10, top 15, uh, but you have this rash of quarterbacks that have been replaced, quarterbacks that have retired, and you also have some other positions that I think have started to, I think we're finally at this point, we'll talk about it with the receivers. I think we're finally at the point where people are starting to devalue receivers a little bit unless they can project them to be ultra special. And so you get into a rookie draft and you tell me, okay, I can get a placeholder, Mac Jones, or my choice of seven wide receiver number twos off my board. I may opt to take the scarce asset. So I think that's what's also driving the demand of both quarterbacks. And then like last year, you said running backs. We were coming off a 2017 class that we weren't sure if all those guys were going to get paid. So a lot of people needed to draft running backs because, well, you know, I have Mixon, I have Aaron Jones, I have Kamara, I have Cook. I'm not sure what their future is going to be. They're getting into the fourth year. I'm not sure. Uh, so I think you're kind of seeing the same thing. It's just this perfect storm that's created this demand. We see it in the startup AVP. 10 or 11 quarterbacks going in the first round. That, that's where the market is. Matt, let's finish up this uh, group of quarterbacks with Mac Jones. And really interesting player right now. I mean, set all kinds of records and, and had some crazy numbers in his one year as starter for Alabama. We need to try to figure out how much of that is is unique to him and how much came as basically a product of that system. The, the draft and, and the rumors of San Francisco being uh, the landing spot for him really are interesting because I think... If the 49ers do take him with the third pick, his value skyrockets, yeah. I think. Yeah, I do too. Um, if it's not San Francisco, though, he's the player of these five that is most likely to fall out of the top 10, maybe even fall all the way to 15, uh, which is the New England pick. So e- even through the, through the draft process uh, here over the next week or so, I'm looking at him as a player that has a wide range of outcomes before he even steps on the field. 100% true. Yeah, I, I really think it's San Fran or bust in terms of dynasty, you know, true value. And I think some might even overvalue him if he goes to San Francisco. Like, I have all the faith in the world in Shanahan and them stepping up and paying that kind of price to add Jones would sure be a, you know, a ringing endorsement for him. 
But no matter which way you cut it, he ain't he ain't getting to that fifteen percent that you know that Scott talked about as a runner, and he's not a dynamic passer. I mean, is he going to throw as often as like a Drew Brees did in his day? Not even close. I mean, they're still going to run the ball a lot. I don't think he's going to be a high volume passer anywhere he goes. Do you agree with Scott that he he should be a first rounder in super flex rookie yes, draft? Yes, because I think he'll be yeah. a starter. Yeah, yeah. Guys, when we come back, we're going to uh, cover the tight ends and uh, and really a focus on, of course, Kyle Pitts. I know a lot of you guys out there repair and maintain your cars. I mean, you save money or it's just something you like to do as a hobby. If you haven't checked out rockauto.com, you're out of your mind. I mean, why would you choose to spend 30 50 100% more even for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? I mean, it's just nuts. So chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus you do-it-yourselfers. I mean, rockautos.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. Uh, rockauto.com also offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. Um, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online now for 20 years. And it's very, very easy to navigate it with your phone or online. You have all that right at the, right at the tip of your fingertips. And best of all, rockautos.com's prices are always very, very reliably low. And the same for professionals as do-it-yourselfers, as I mentioned. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Uh, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockhanfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Guys, let's finish up today's conversation with the tight end position. Uh, And unfortunately, this is not a deep class, but it certainly is being viewed as one of the most talented classes that we've seen in a while. And that's, that's mainly because of Kyle Pitts. Um, this is a player that is, is being valued really like no tight end ever before already in dynasty leagues. Uh, Matt, tell me what you have seen when it comes to Kyle Pitts on the field. I don't think he's the slightest bit overrated. I think he's the, by far the best non-quarterback in this draft. I think he's as special as everyone says. I think he blocks. I think he splits out wide and, and runs receiver routes. I, I see him beat the best corners in the SEC in man coverage. I see him run away from people. I think he's an utter superstar, and I would take him very high in a rookie draft, very high. Well, a lot of people are taking him very high. We, we talked at the top of the show about some of those rookie drafts taking place uh, before the NFL draft. Uh, our buddy Matthew Barry has tweeted about that as well, and Scott Barrett and Curtis Patrick and others. I know those are some of the, the guys who have been involved in these rookie drafts along with Scott. And I've seen Kyle Pitts go 
off the board as the 101 in at least two of those rookie drafts. And obviously that's not a huge sample, but when you're talking about uh, some of the the folks in that league and, and maybe how they move the needle, it certainly, uh, certainly gets my attention. So Scott, what are you thinking about Kyle Pitts? Not what we see on the field, not is he really a wide receiver or how dominant he is, but just strictly his value as a tight end in Dynasty would you consider him at 101 uh, in a rookie draft? Yeah, it's a big question because I've heard you talk about it before, Ryan. Um, Kyle Pitts will be the tight end one in Dynasty a year from now. So, I mean, yep. if you already have that on the table, <laughs> I think I can't even really name an outcome that won't have the community putting him there. He would probably have to get hurt or play an entire season, like 15 games and only have 200 yards or something like that to where it's just an obvious point that he's a bust. But I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I think he has very, very low thresholds he needs to hit for the community to say, man, this guy's only 20 and he still had 700 yards as a rookie. Up, up, up. His value is still going to go up, even if you're drafting that high. 101 is a little ridiculous. Unless you're in, I'll say this, unless you're in a two tight end league where there is a 1.75 or higher premium, I think at that point you're getting such a positional advantage, a true unicorn at the position that I think you could justify it. I'd still probably take a quarterback. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing this with tight end and we'll get to it later with Jamar Chase. You have two players that as soon as you click draft, wherever you get them, 102, 104, 106, 107, you are already having a positive EV on the investment you make with that pick. I mean, you draft Kyle Pitts at the 105, that 105, if it's the tight end too, is going higher than the 105 in a startup draft. You're already making money on the pick. And I think there's super, super insulation with both Pitts and Chase. So yeah, I can't argue with it. You put them in, uh, I'm working on a wide receiver market value model, trying to incorporate just the value of players. And it's real easy with receivers and tight ends. You plug him in with the receivers over the last two classes, he's still number two, which is incredible. I mean, that's comparing him to players that are supposed to be, you know, 25 pounds lighter. And he's right up there with him in terms of every single category. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I did want to... Uh, I wanted to know what it would take in terms of format. I know you're so good adjusting to different formats. You play in so many leagues that have different scoring, different lineups. And that's exactly what I wanted to know. What What's the format that it would take? Uh, I've seen a lot of people justifying taking pits with a, with a very early pick, maybe as early as 101, with my league is tight end premium. Well, if your league is 1.5 tight end premium and you only have to start one or you only can start one, I'm not sure I'd really consider that a tight end premium league. Now, if you're if it's a league setting like you're speaking of there, Scott, uh, where you can start two tight ends every week or, or you're required to start two or you're going to 1.75 or even two points PPR, then, yeah, that's that's certainly when I would be uh, considering pits as early as 101. Yeah, in the uh, the DLF Champ Series, those leagues are two PPR for tight ends. You only start one, uh, but the top-tier guys are scoring, you know, 370, 380 points, which are basically outpacing or right there with most of the quarterbacks. So I have actually a 101 and a 103 in one of those leagues, and I'm still debating back and forth. Do I go quarterback and do I try to move up? But actually, I'm looking at it now going, man, I'm okay with fields or pits at the 103. Where, you know, whatever they leave me, I'm very comfortable in that slot. So that format, I'm kind of good with 
you know, seeing what falls to me. But yeah, 102, I think he's a legitimate conversation, even in a one tight end, two PPR. Yeah, and obviously those are, are super flex leagues as well. So that will be some uh, great ADP data that we'll be sharing the, uh, the, the true tight end premium plus super flex leagues. Uh, Matt, the rest of these guys don't get much attention, kind of understandably, because of Kyle Pitts. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, Hunter Long. Really quickly, who's your tight end two out of that group and, and any overall thoughts on, on that trio? I think it's a really bad class overall. Fryermuth is my two, but I don't think he's a special receiver. He's also not nearly the blocker that many make him out to be. So he may not just you know burst on the scene. Jordan, if he falls in the right spot with a very creative play caller, I would have interest, but I don't think he's special enough to really move the needle. Yeah, that that's pretty much where I am. I, I, it sounds like I like Pat Frymuth a little bit more than you do. Of course, with tight ends, it's going to be landing spot uh, dependent, but I would love to see him in, in the early second to one of those uh, tight end needy teams, the Jags or the Bengals. Either one, I think, would be a good spot. Uh Scott, you're you're a Bengals fan. You good with Fryermuth in the top of the second? Uh, I'd rather them go elsewhere. They don't. Uh, that's one of the worries with one of these tight ends going to the Bengals is that literally they have the TE tag and the team doesn't understand how to actually use a move tight end these days. But <laughs> I, I think the value wise in Dynasty, Fryermuth is going to get drafted with the capital to where he's going to hold his value. You may look at him maybe a, a slightly lesser version of like Cole Komet or similar to Adam Troutman last year. Same type of range where decent investment, just not a sexy pick where you're going to take him. Uh, and then Matt mentioned Brevin Jordan. You know, his RAS score was super low. Players that have his cohorts, only 6'3", less than 250 pounds. I, I isolated the biographical data for guys that were drafted on day two of the NFL draft or higher. It's a pretty bad sample size with Brevin Jordan. Then you add to the fact that, you know, He's got massive production. I mean, you look at his production in college, it's super high. So he's a really tough prospect to evaluate. I actually am favoring, uh, I'm starting to like Tommy Trimble as my tight end three because I think he's going to go in this late second, early third round. And I think, and Matt can maybe correct me if he's seen anything on Trimble, but I've heard a lot of people say he'll be able to play right away because he's such a good blocker. No doubt. Um, I think he's a guy that gets on the field week two and we're sitting here going, wow, I didn't really think about this guy, but he's out there and he just caught four or five balls. You know, that's maybe someone I should have an eye on. And he is actually the youngest tight end in the class. Tommy Trimble is. So I'm actually putting him up as my tight end three, but yeah, I don't, I don't really want to draft any of them after pits. It's going to feel really underwhelming. Yeah. Jordan was that default tight end three really throughout the season, the early off season. And, and now I think people are starting, uh, Scott, as you said, to, to take a longer look at that. Guys, that will do it for today's show. Please make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Remember to follow the show at Locked On Dynasty. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL, and I'm Ryan MC23. We'll be back next time with more Locked On Dynasty.